Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've seen Joker. Which I loved, but Mike is seething. So I want to I I no, hear get, all the ways he hated it. <laughs> I want to get your views first. I'm in such a bad mood. Um, and I'm surprised that you loved it. I loved it. I, I, I get the feeling... And spoilers will be coming up. You know, I mean, this is a story... This is, a, this is like a new origin story for the Joker, I suppose. Stars Joaquin Phoenix uh, as the Joker slash Arthur Fleck. That's the name he's given here. Um, directed by Todd Phillips, who is better known as a comedy director. Directed the Hangover movies, um, War Dogs recently, which was kind of comedy drama. Um, but before that, he was doing things like Starsky and Hutch, Old School, Road Trip, those kind of frat comedies. Yes, and I'm, I'm surprised by that, actually, because you don't think that the filmmaker who made those films, you know, was capable of making this one. Well, I do. <laughs> When, okay, so when the tra- when I first saw the trailer, actually no, when I first heard that Joaquin Phoenix would be playing the Joker, um, it was a kind of it was a kind of casting announcement that made you go, really? He's like, sublime. I, how you know what, what, that's a mad thing to imagine. Uh. And then you saw the trailer and thought, wow, this looks kind of interesting. He's sublime. He's better than Heath Ledger. Um, well, I don't know about that. It's um, no, my view. I think he. I think he acts like an undirected man. Oh, I don't think so. I think it's a carefully thought through performance, and some of the things that he does with movement is just beautiful. But I think it's all, to, all for nothing. I don't his think performance. so. Think it's like it's like Todd Phillips said. To, it's like he, it's like he couldn't believe he had an actor of Joaquin Phoenix's ability, and went, "Well, I mean, I can't just do what you want." And I, I, I don't think so. I think you know, it's a it's a thought through performance. It's full of surprises. It's full of beautiful, elegant gestures. Uh, it begins kind of, you know, dampened in this cloud of depression and sadness, you know, and it kind of, it moves into despair, really. And then kind of, you know, there's that moment, yeah, uh, where he's off the drugs and onto attention. And then, like, his whole kind of demeanor and body changes. It's, it's beautiful. And he does really elegant things. Uh, and actually, and the performance and the, and, and, and the mise-en-scene is part of that. So, you know, there are moments where he's shot from above and all of a sudden he looks beautiful, right? And so I think kind of, you know, the, the mise-en-scene and the performance itself are very much in tune. It's, it's, it's gorgeous, I think. Um, I'm not crazy about how it looks at all. Um... It was shot, I think, on Ari 65, Ari Lexus 65 cameras. This is what my brother was telling me because he loves Ari Lexus. He gets to work with them every now and again. Um, and it gives you the, it's a 65 mil frame, mm. effectively. They're digital cameras, but they give you this huge mm. uh, uh, sort of um, frame to work with. And it gives you this incredible uh, uh, depth of field and clarity. And I think the film confuses quality of image with a quality image you know it has it, it, it looks like a it looks like a film students go with a great camera look at, look at the depth of feel we can do with this but look at the close ups we can I, do I don't with agree this. because in fact all of the beginning of the film there's no depth of field you know and again that's part of the conveying of the interiority of the character you know what you get 
in in the that's whole... what I mean. It's a shallow depth of field. It looks like a movie. It looks very self consciously like a movie. That's what I mean. Throughout, it's a film no, that's well, high on its own self importance and well, set and, and self satisfaction. Well, I mean, it worked for me, and actually, and I thought all of that use of the focus at the beginning was like very deliberate, and it kind of evokes, you know, the idea of this man who's losing his grip, who can't get a sense of the world around him, who can only think about one thing at a time, you know, and he's constantly on the verge of losing control. So I think to me it evokes that kind of world and I really loved it. Fair enough. I think it's, I think it's like, it, I mean, people applauded at the end of this screening. It was I, a very, very full, I, I think well, deser- full. Deservedly. And listen, you know, kind of get off your high horse. I'm, I'm not on a high horse. It's a con job. I, why is it a con job? Actually, you could argue the opposite. It's a very daring to make a, a superhero film about a, 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 a character study of a superhero film. We've not seen it before, and this is what this is. And actually, well, you know, this film has more of a critique of the culture, uh, the system, uh, than any superhero film we've seen. So Black you know, Panther. Black Panther to me is always the exception, but actually, kind of, I think, uh, um, the, you know, as a character study, it doesn't compare. I don't think this barely qualifies as a character oh, study. Oh, I think it does. No, it's got no character. It thinks it's tax driver. It thinks it's the king of comedy. But actually, it, th- this guy's mad. Like, he's set up from the start as uh, mentally ill. He knows it and we know it. He's on medications. He's in therapy. That's right. The right? film tells us. Right. So. And then and it and then it builds in this thing of, um, uh, I mean, for one thing, this is not Gotham City, right? This is New York City. Like, never has Gotham well, City Gotham, been more. Tra- well, never, Gotham, never has Gotham City been Gotham more transparent. City has always been transparent <sighs> in New York City. More transparent. Never has it been more transparent than this, though. It's always been to some degree, but this is like they are just filming in New York. This is New York. It's not in pretending. The point is, it's it's setting in the, in basically New York of the nineteen seventies. Nineteen eighty one. Okay, late seventies, early eighties is the era I had in mind when when New York was in the sort of depths of. I mean, wasn't it going for bankruptcy in the mid seventies? It was, and actually, some of the things rhyme. So you know, there's a garbage strike, and rats are overrunning the city, and yeah, you know, super all of that. Rats. All of that was true of of New York then. And and one of the things that is uh, specifically kind of brought up here is social services being cut. So halfway through the film, Arthur's. Um, medication. Medication. He can't get his medication anymore because this, because his therapy is ending. Social services have cut. Yeah. Um. So it so it tries to tie it to you know this um this kind of this social inequality and actually and actually very very transparently so I mean it is about that, um, but actually as to as to who Arthur is what drives him I mean I think kind of one of the things that made the Joker that Heath Ledger played. Um, so kind of powerful was that he came from nowhere and and you didn't know his backstory and there was that whole thing in The Dark Knight about how he kind of gave three different backstories and none of them was true or whatever um, whereas in this like it is all about who this real person is and what would drive him to do what he does and what um, a drive is not necessarily the right term because it's not entirely calculated but it kind of becomes more calculated or he becomes freer to express himself but Kind of as to as to who he is and what he wants, some of it is kind of clear. Well, but I, 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 I mean, you know, really, compared to any other comic book novel, this is like a masterpiece of subtlety 
and, subtlety. Yes, and background. Um, yes. Subtlety. Yes. What's subtle to it? Well, you know, first of all, they begin by kind of positing this relationship between him and his mother, right? Then, you know, his mother tells him that uh, 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 Bruce Wayne's father, whatever his name is, Tom Thomas Wayne, Thomas Wayne, uh, that he is the result of a love affair between you know himself and Thomas Wayne. In the middle of all of this, you know, he's somebody who's got issues with depression and other types of mental illness and all his medication is cut so as the in you know in the midst of finding out all of this information his kind of support system is kind of denied then he goes actually to find out about uh uh, to find out from from the wayne family or to greet the wayne family as someone he uh as as you know the son and you know he's treated terribly and he goes all i want to do is like say hello like he's not asking for money or anything like that and he gets rejected and not only that but then he finds out that actually his mother has lied to him that you know that it's a possibility that he's adopted uh so he goes to arkham asylum to find that out and then he finds out that he's not only adopted but that actually his mother permitted his abuse as a child that he was found tied to a radiator so you know uh, starving suffering from malnutrition and with his body kind of uh, 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 bruised by beatings mm. so what you have is a whole kind of series of disillusions right all in the middle of you know someone who's been kicked around and is rendered vulnerable who's making a living as a clown right so i think that's a lot of backstory it's a lot of backstory, but what does it add up to in the present day? Well, what it adds up to in the present day, I think, is, you know, to me, that character of the Joker is a character that lots of people, you know, probably emphasize with. People who have no jobs, who have precarious lives, who are trod upon, who are beaten, who are, there's no recourse in the law. There's no social services to help them, mm. you know. So, you know, and if you think all of this population in the U.S., that's kind of addicted to oxycotin or, you know, kind of taking meth and trailers or whatever with no support system at all, always just on the edge of, of you know, kind of grasping onto things. You know, I think this is a, a, a kind of a character that will resonate with lots and lots of Americans. One thing I probably will, I think the, the, you know, Heath Ledger's Joker did as well, but I don't think necessarily for kind of all the right reasons, people sort of just latched on to... Rather like, I suppose, we were talking about Fight Club not long ago, you know, and Tyler Durden and the same same sort of thing there, sort of latching on to all the wrong parts of it. And I think what this film leaves us with, by the time you get to the end, and the Joker has kind of unwittingly uh, started this movement of people claiming to be clowns. He killed three people on the subway, uh, and he's not identified personally, but, but the news gets out that this person was dressed as a clown, and, pe- and because the guys he killed on the subway were... Um, uh, Wall Street guys, actually they work for Wayne's Corporation. That's right. Um, then there's this thing about kill the rich uh, uh, and he and becomes kind of a hero or, or the the downtrodden in society kind of take on clown masks mm. as a as a symbol. You know, um, and, and by the end you've got this riot happening and he becomes, because he kills someone else powerful, live on TV so everyone knows it's him and he also announces that he was the guy who killed all these people, um, he becomes a hero of the downtrodden for murder. It reads to me, like, and I think it reads to me as, as terrifying. That's how it's supposed to come across the thing. And it reads to me as right-wing propaganda. I don't... I, 
I can see where you're coming from, but I don't see it that way. I think for one thing, it's kind of voicing what uh, cannot be voiced, really. You know, because I think in all of these arguments about the 1%, you know, and the increasing inequality and this kind of arrogance, you know, uh, and, and, and this kind of refusal to see people suffering. You know, one of the solutions, you know, as it was a solution in uh, 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 the, the, the Russian Revolution, is actually kill the rich. Hmm. You know, as soon as you start killing them, they'll start suffering, right? Like, you know, they'll have a different picture of the culture once they're vulnerable in ways that they're now immune to. So, you know, kind of, I mean, the Joker's not thought it out. Like he says, it's not political, you know, but he's exploding, he's reacting, you know, to a world which is very recognizable and where his role in it is a very recognizable one. All you've got to do is kind of, you know... Yeah. Walk around town and see the homeless. Well, I certainly think that the moment when he kills the talk show host, Marie Franklin, his name is, played mm. by Robert De Niro, and I think, you know, I mean, that's, what's that if not a King of Comedy nod where he's obsessed with the TV show? It's, it's a complete yeah. nod to the King of Comedy. I mean, it, um, uh, the moment when he kills him and he's getting kind of quite aggressive on the show and he tells the joke, uh, he says, um, what do you get when you cross a mentally ill loner with a society that doesn't give a shit about him. You get what you deserve and shoots him in the head. Mm. That was a really powerful moment, I thought. Yes. I did. And you're kind of and you understand the Joker completely and you're with him. Mm. Um but I do think then that when you get out into the riot and you have him being uh, sort of he's, he's stood and he's dancing on top of this police car, a couple of police officers who were arresting him, taking him to jail, uh have just been killed in a deliberate accident to free him, you know, mm. free the Joker. And you get this crowd of, you know, I mean, this is what I think, this is kind of the movie's version of Antifa, you know, the anti-fascists. Mm, sort there's of, an element of that. Um, which I personally consider to basically be a right-wing invention. Um, you know, you, I think it was the end of the film reads as this, like I say, this right-wing fantasy of the enemy that they believe they're fighting. No, I, I, I mean, I don't think it's a right-wing fantasy. I think there's a real kind of critique of the culture. Though, of course... You know, kind of the film kind of um, becomes delirious, really, in, in, in many ways. I mean, there are moments uh, of uh, um, Joaquin Phoenix's performance that are just like almost embedded in musical numbers, right? So, you know, he's part of a pop culture. We see him uh, watching Fred Astaire on television. You know, we hear Sondheim, we hear Frank Sinatra, you know, that's life is kind of like a recur, that's life and sending the clowns are recurring motifs in the show. We see the, we see um, Chaplin's modern times, mm. right? You know, that beautiful moment where he's, um, he's skating in the department store, the empty department store at night, and he's always on the verge of falling over but he gracefully glides, you know, everywhere. Very interestingly, that's shown at the wrong speed in the film within the film. So it has that jerkiness that actually... Yeah, it's sped you know, up a little, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, so there's obviously kind of, you know, an attempt made to correlate that, right? And so, you know, uh, um, the Joker's the opposite of the Tramp in modern times, right? Because, you know, the Tramp was uh, uh, hopeful 
and uh, you know could find solutions to things and you know he got caught up in things that were not of his making you see moments of left wing kind of revolutionary marches in modern times he just kind of gets caught up in this is nothing like that this is a very despairing kind of film you know mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought the ending you know was just beautiful you know so like uh, uh, he's talking to the social worker again and actually he kills her and you you don't see the killing it all happens off screen but it's all told where he walks out of the room and all of a sudden you see that his footprints are leaving trails of blood right at the end um, I thought that was just beautiful well beautiful beautiful mm. yeah because it speaks it speaks a real um, despair you know um, so yeah what was despairing about that killing at the end well because he's in the asylum right mm. uh, he's um, murder is uh, the only solution uh, for him uh, you you have like this white pure thing and all of a sudden it's kind of there's a trail of blood through it right and then kind of there's this manic at the end you know it's like um, it's like he does a Bob Fosse thing with his body, mm. right? Uh, so, you know, he's on stage now. He's central. He matters. And it's only through murder that a person like him can matter. And then he begins to be chased, you know, by, by the uh, attendant or, you know, mm. the guys in the, in the white jackets. I loved all of See, that. See, by that point, I think it's supposed to be like he's now turned into the villain. I mean, it's, I suppose it's interesting. It, what's interesting to consider is how much of a villain he is supposed to be. Joker is canonically the villain in Batman not only that but the film posits him as what people have argued he always is which is the other side of the coin to Batman yeah right and so the film here makes this you know even it ties the connection even more closely by potentially or brazing the issue that he is Batman's half-brother mm. Right, which the film denies at this point, but you know, you never know how it could play. You never know what they might do in Joker Two. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, although it's going to be interesting to see how it adds up, because you do see Bruce Wayne in this, and he's about ten years old. Well, he's at the age that his parents are killed, because you see that happen. And Joker is, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's age. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see how that how the math works out. Yes, but um, actually, can I just quickly finish the point about the final bit of the film? Because I was going to say that that. You talk about being a kind of despair that, that this is the only way he can matter, and I see that. But by that point, like I say, I think at this point he's supposed to have become the villain. He's become the Joker now, and you know he, he's not. He doesn't. Well, whether he's making an attempt to escape or not is not entirely clear. He's kind of running around. It's like it's like he's leading the guy on a chase at the end, you yeah, know, yeah. going back and forth like in a like in a Tom and Jerry cartoon, mm. you know. So killing the the social work right at the end there feels actually like a gratuitous killing for him, not for the film, but for him. You know, like one that is not necessary for him to express anything about himself in that respect. It's not one that comes out of despair, for me. Um, you're. I don't think it does come from despair at that moment. I think it comes from a kind of a, you know a revenge on the system. You know, it's like uh, it rhymes with the whole beginning where you know the social worker isn't listening. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, uh, and and quite a lot is made of that actually. You know, so the social worker is there to look after him, to check in on him, and she doesn't listen at all. She doesn't care at all. And then she says, you know, afterwards, well, they don't care about you and they don't care about me. 
but you know they're kind of like very different positions right like kind of you know uh, uh, one is on seven medications just mm. to survive so 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 that last scene rhymes with that and actually I think what's interesting is that it happens off screen you know uh, so I I loved it. I mean, I have to think about it some more. There were images in it that I just think, you know, were like so expressive and beautiful. That bit where um, he kills, you know, the guy who made him lose his job. Um, yes. And, you know, and then like his whole face is splattered, you know, with blood and there's blood on the wall. It's just kind of, you know, such an incredible image, you know. And then that whole... Um, interplay you know which is so destabilizing and i think the tone is just perfect right is um between him and the dwarf yeah you know. yeah it, it surprised me actually how tonally adept that scene was yeah i didn't expect it because what i knew was going to happen mm. was that uh, having locked the door from the inside on the chain um i knew that the dwarf was going to try and reach the chain and not be able to. No, oh, you see, that caught me by surprise, so I, I, you're more observant. Yeah, there. no, I got that from the start, and I thought, is <clears throat> yeah, is it going to be in an attempt to escape after um, he's... Because he, he's just stabbed the big guy in the neck and in the head, and he's dead. And in the aftermath, is the dwarf going to... Uh, I'm sorry, come on the dwarf, I don't know his character's name. <laughs> um, is, he going, is, he, is it going to be in like a panic? that he runs to the door and he's terrified mm. and then it tries to make the joke out of it because that would have been... I don't think that would have worked. Mm. But it, actually, the, it lets the scene calm down and he they speak and then he says, you can go. And, you know, I, I guess the question is still in your head a little bit as to is he playing with him? Mm. Um, but, you know, then then he, he says, oh, I can't get out and she so goes, oh, yeah, sorry, and he lets him go. And he says to him, I think, you were always nice to me. Mm. You know, everyone else considers him a freak. Yes. Uh, 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 Joker this is not the dwarf everyone considers the dwarf a freak as well and keep making jokes about his height but um, but now he says you were always nice to me the Joker says and you know that's a, that that I found that an effective moment and believable you know I think there are many I think one of the things about the film is you know that um, you get the sense that he's someone who's trying to keep a lid on things and always on the verge of losing it. So he really is a threat to other people. And then, you know, the film does something very complex, which is, you know, to show you both the threat that he could present to other people and also how he is personally insulted that people treat him so badly when he's trying to do nice things. So, you know, the incident with the child on the bus, Mm. Right, and then also a little bit the incident with Bruce Wayne, you know, across the fence. Yeah, yeah, with right? the magic tricks. Yeah, they're all attempts to please, you know, but you can see why they're falling, you know, why yeah, why they're going so badly, right? <laughs> why other people see them as like threatening, but you can also understand his point of view on, you know, his surprise at people finding them threatening. So I think that the, you know the film being able to do that, I think, is really quite quite amazing, really. I love the way he's filmed Joaquin Phoenix. So like all of the first scenes, it really is like shrouded, you know, just like melancholy and sadness and bleakness and poverty. Um, you know, so kind of what we see is him working as a clown and, you know, he's he's carrying a, a, an advertisement for a local shop, you know, and some kids take it away from him. 
uh, and he chases after them because, you know, he's desperate. It's his livelihood, right? You get a sense he's supporting his mother in this kind of flat. Uh, and, of course, he gets beaten up, you know. And then, on top of that, his boss tells him that, you know, he doesn't believe him. You know, why would anyone steal that sign unless, you know, they're going to take, they're going to take that money for the sign out of his paycheck and, and so on. So you get a sense of someone who's abused by the system and who doesn't matter and who's kind of just clinging on. Yeah. And, and actually, from his face, the travel on the bus, the conversations with the mother, you really get a sense of, yeah, but sadness, bleakness. You know what it made me think of? It what? made me think of You Were Never Really Here. Yes, very much. And it made me wish I was watching You Were Never Really Here, frankly, on the screen that size as well. Well, you know, you know uh, uh, it reminded me of that, but the relationship I was, with the mother I was well. happy to see this. I mean, the only, the only fault that I'm willing to pick up on at this point, because I really loved it, and I think the only thing that um, that I expected that doesn't come across is intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, the, the Joker, the Joker is meant to be Batman's equal, right? You know, it's like the other side of Batman, the other face of Batman, right? Like, you know, so on the one hand, he's brighter, but on the other hand... He's he's meaner and more evil and dangerous, right? And less predictable. He's kind and of less, the maniacal exactly. element to him. And actually, I think the film gets at that lack of predictability incredibly well. Uh, you know, whilst also showing how it gets there. But what it doesn't show you, or what you never get, a, you know, what you never see, is a kind of a native intelligence that will mean that he will be a threat to Gotham and Batman later on. Right, like he's depic- he's depicted as a not yeah. very bright person, a person who doesn't get it. To Certainly me, has no social intelligence, but also can't really spell. You know, yes, um, doesn't just, doesn't seem to have any kind of intellectual ability. He doesn't in even have cunning. He's no. made to seem a bit of an innocent, really, until you know he finds um, his celebrity uh, 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 on television. And actually, so so a that's a weakness for me. And B, that reminds me that the film has a whole argument of celebrity as the only type of being that matters in the culture presented. Well, the, uh, people, yeah, people kind of have value through television and the media. Yes. So he kind of starts to gain value himself when the papers pick up and, and you get these scenes where on the train everyone's reading the papers and they're not about him specifically because no one knows who he is yes. but they're about this clown killing these three so, guys who died and that has a rhyme with all of these serial murders and you know what do you call those um, you know people who go and shoot kind of in high schools and so on school I mean, shooters school shooters <laughs> okay yeah. uh, so you know it is about it is about claiming an identity that the culture at large denies you. Hmm. you know, so I thought that was interesting. I mean, it has yeah, a lot of rhyming things. Yeah, it is interesting. One of the shots towards the end of the of the bank of screens mm. pulling out um, and all the sounds overlapping from various people talking about him and his adverts and stuff and gives that sort of montage of, of, of audiovisual media was, was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so, but tell me more because you, I've never, well, I've, 
I have. I hate I've, I've rarely seen you come out of a film in such a bad mood. I was in a bad mood because I felt it was fascist propaganda and pornography a little bit. But but then I could have kind of coped with that and we'd have talked about it. And then the and then uh, some of the members of the audience applauded. I thought, how are you applauding this of all films? I, mean, I don't remember anyone applauding Black Panther. You know, oh, which I think as a film, as a kind of superhero film that has sort of. Uh, uh, political pretensions and, 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 and values and that sort of thing um, was much more deserving of it, you know. Um, this this is a film... It, everything about this film, everything about its aesthetic and everything about the, its its timing and its tone, to me, is, is a, like I said, a film that is high on its own sense of self-importance, that it believes it's an important film, that it wants you to okay. believe it's an well, important listen, film. There's too. no question that it believes it's an important film, right, um, I think it's, it's quite a daring film, you know, I mean, I think, uh, and, I, and in fact, you know, I was reading something about it because uh, um, it's just something that cropped up on, on my feed, uh, you know, about how Warner Brothers, um, you know, what a gamble this was for Warner Brothers because it is taking one of the main characters of the DC universe, mm. right, and kind of, um, you know, making... A relatively small budget kind of character study arty film of it right and what would the impact of that be on you know the DC universe as a whole so I think the film was seen as a risk to make for yeah financially for those reasons yeah well that may well be the case I mean I imagine it will it will well, it's, it's gone down very well. I mean, every post you see of it has got the five-star reviews plastered all over it's it. It's gone down very well I um, think you know but also you know, the comparison to some of these other films, I think as far as, you know, these types of films go, it was relatively low budget. Well, the budget I can see here says uh, 55 to $64 million. As opposed to the as opposed to or yeah. Well, this is not an action or, movie by any yeah. means. It's not a spectacle in that sense. Exactly. Um, I mean, actually, I, I, in, in a way, um, obviously things like the set design and the production values are very high in this. Um, it costs the same as Rambo Last Blood. Let's... <laughs> yeah, how much was that? Yeah, 50 million. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but to put it in perspective. Sure. Um, the budget to me sort of says, actually, you kind of could make this film, at least if everyone got paid a bit less, for like $30 million. The giving it a budget of but the, 60 says prestige drama. Listen... I mean, you know, the thing about Rambo Last Blood is it has a box office star, you know, kind of Sylvester Stallone can still sell tickets in this type of action film. He's been doing it in the ex- ex- yeah. Expandables, Expandables. <laughs> uh, films. Whereas actually, you know, this film doesn't have a box office star. You know, Joaquin Phoenix is not a box office star, you know, and Robert De Niro in a supporting part is not a box office star either at the moment right so you know I, I actually but they are stars I mean that's, that's but I think that kind of positions it like I said in prestige drama sort of territory and I think if you give a prestige drama a 60 million budget as opposed to a 30 million budget you're saying like like this is the kind of this is the drama to see this is the talky movie to see. Do you well, see what I mean? Well, why not? I mean I think actually, uh, I'm, not, I'm not arguing I'm not making any particular argument about it. The thing about this budget which is very low for this type of film is that also it's everywhere visible on screen. Well, do you think it's low for this type of film? That's what I mean. Yes, it's I n- do. It's not a, f- a flashy superhero movie. It's not full of effects. 
That's what I mean. Like, it's not positioning itself as a superhero movie. It's positioning itself as a realistic social drama. Um, I, don't think, I, I quote, don't think it's realistic. I think well, it's very realistic, quote, unquote. Uh, I think... But about real problems, issues, real world. That's, that's, one, that's what I mean. It's got, you know, all of the scenes uh, in the subway. It's got all the scenes with the cars, the car crashes. It's got the scenes with all of the extras wearing the clown outfits. I mean, you know, kind of, you saw nothing like that uh, in Rambo Last Blood, which had the same budget. No, well, I mean, I, I'm not the one who brought up Rambo Last Blood. I, I'm not suggesting that Rambo Last Blood looked like it cost $50 million. Well, I mean, let's, let's not get lost down this rabbit hole, okay? It is objectively a small budget for a comic book film. Yeah. I wonder how much Logan cost. Because that's the kind of comic book film it's... It, Sort of, you know, I mean, for one thing, R-rated. Logan did have a box office star, though. It did, and it was more heavily based on like, mm. I mean, X Men, all that. It's not. I mean, the thing about Batman and Joker is every time you see a new one, it's new people making a new version. Mm. That's not the case with X Men. With um, okay, see, see the budget. Uh, but I, I'm just interested in the budget. That had a 97 million dollar budget, which and that was sense. a few years ago. So, well, two years ago. Okay. Um, but I mean that was also doing much more by way of double the budget Logan was also doing much more by way of effects production design sets set in the future all that sort of thing so I mean it, it makes sense apart from the star who was a bigger box office star I agree um, that it cost more to produce mm. I think um, I'm not making any particular point when I say that like the budget for this is that I, I just think I think that the budget for this to me sends a signal that actually it's bigger than it than you might actually expect for a film that looks like it. Well, I mean, you know, but I don't know. But I'm not really many, making any particular points about that. I think you know that is not the that is not like the main signal of the sort of self importance of the film. I think the shallow focus is. Well, I love the shallow focus. I thought that was expressive, and I thought that was in keeping with the story that was being told at the beginning of the film. And actually, there are some things, some aspects of um, Joaquin Phoenix's performance that are just dazzling and beautiful. I mean, you know, the way that he moves, the way that when he gets to talk, when he goes on the talk show, right, and, you know, yeah, he, he, he admits that he's, you know, people are making fun of him. And the way he adopts now that camp attitude, that sing-songy thing. Mm. And he does very elegant things with his arms and his body. And, you know, all of a sudden he becomes like a camp gay man. You know, I thought that was like so um, interesting and beautiful. Like, you know, there's kind of, you know, there's something about the way that he uses his body uh, throughout uh, uh, that is 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 expressive uh, and moving. It's almost that you know after all of this pent up stuff, you know, with the mother in the apartment, and you know where you see his. I mean, he's so thin in that film, and he's got that that shoulder jutting out, and you know, I mean, actually, you you have this incredible shape, you know, that's filmed of his back, which is really like an Auschwitz victim or something, right? You see all the vertebrae at the back mm. with you know, dislocated shoulder and so on, you know. And then when he gets into that, he's moving like Fred Astaire, right? In the, the clown costume kind of, you know, gives him elegance and personality and, 
you know, ease and movement through the world. I thought that was that was wonderful. I like to see him move, and I like, and I think he looked, you know, very, very striking. And I think, you know, that uh, there's a shot. It's one of the shots that was in the trailer, actually, when just before he kills the big guy in his apartment, um, when he's got his arms out, supporting himself on the wall, and his head's bowed, and then he kind of picks up his head, and it's to the side. He's got the white face paint on, and he just looks sort of looks looks weird and terrifying mm. and angular and um, and sort of blank and. You know, very intimidating. You know, um, and mad. Mm. There are things I really appreciate about that, mm. and there are that are quite striking. But I do still think that a lot of it, particularly when you get to these shots where it's just hanging on him, kind of moving about in whatever you know, moving his arms and twisting and whatever. Um, there are these moments where I just think, why actually, what is this expressing at this point? How are we hanging on the shot for so long? And it does feel like it. If feels like it's. Like let the star do what he likes, and it doesn't I, doesn't I, feel controlled by the director. Well, I, I I disagree, and you know, and I hope I'm pointing out to one of the ways that it is controlled. I you know, as the film progresses, he begins to find ease in the world through costuming and murder. You know, he's become this murderous clown now, and he's found himself. And actually, this all culminates in that, you know, almost musical number, that dance that he does through the steps, right? Which mm-hmm. is then treated comically because, you know, out of focus, you begin to see the shapes of the two policemen that then come into focus, you know? And that is like singing in the rain or something, right? Like, you know, that whole dance there, it's kind of, it's done as that, as a moment of glee, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, and it is, I think, about kind of finding his place in the world, you know, and that frees his body as it's free, as it frees his mind, right? Like, you know, he's kind of he's done the unthinkable, and now he matters. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I found it kind of. Um, maybe I already hated it too much for this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really hated the bloke who took a photo at that point as well. So oh, I, I, I... Took a photo of the screen. I know. I, I was know. hoping he would do that again so I could slap the phone out of his hand. I was going to... I, you know... Because <laughs> then you always think in moments like that, you know, that idiot. You always think... If, if I say something, am I then going to spoil other people's film for the second time? Yeah, am I going to spoil other mm. people's pleasure in the film for, the, you know, for another time? You know, so it was one of those, yeah, it was one of those things where you're back, you know. Yeah. Um, you get tense. Uh, uh, I wanted to think a little bit about um, uh, the racial components of the film. Uh-huh. Um, because it's, it occurred to me that a great many of the um, supporting characters uh, in and around Arthur's life are black. Yes. Um, you've got the social worker, uh, who he ends up killing at the end, uh, who's a black woman. Um, you've got the uh, sort of neighbour in his apartment block, played by uh, Zazy Beats. Yes, is back, and he fantasises about her. I mean, it's not it's not presented as such straight away. No. Um, so they they kind of meet in the lift and they share this thing of oh, I'm gonna shoot myself in the head. My life sucks so much. Um, and then, it, and then after he uh, kills the guys on the subway. Um, he when he makes it back to to his, to the apartment block, I think that's when he basically barges in on her and kisses her, 
and then and then it's suggested that they develop this relationship. So then, when his mother is in the hospital, she's there comforting him. Um, and then, and I was thinking, it it has this has to be delusional. I tell you, no, it's because sorry, before he kisses her, it's um, he follows her to work. Remember on the on the on yes. the train on the subway. He follows her to work, and there's a there's a shot which I really hated. Of a, a, it was a long shot and a long take of the of the bank that she works in, Bank of Gotham, and him following her and then pulling back. And it's and it was just a boring shot, and everything was done through this oppressively loud soundtrack that was trying to build up the drama. Mm. It wasn't done through visual filmmaking. I didn't like that, but um, he follows her, and then later on she comes to his door uh, uh, in his apartment and says, "Did you follow me to work today?" And he says, "Yes." And she says, I wish you'd come in and shot the place. You know, I've shot my boss. Um, or blowing it up. And that immediately I was going, right, that is not, this has to not be realistic. Like, if this, because that is not the response of a woman who's been followed to work. You know, well, to, to, to take it as a joke. You're cleverer than I, because I didn't get that it was delusional until the last scene with her. Which one was the last one? The, when he when you, she walks in on him in her apartment. Yes. And that's when, and that's when you see all those previous shots of them together and then it cuts to the same thing but she's not there yeah. revealing that she's not there now I, I kind of I said from the start if this turns out to be a real relationship that's happening I cannot believe it so I was glad that it, it is revealed to be a delusion of his I was glad that it was revealed to be a delusion because it also tells us something about his character and how it's developing and how he's losing control you know? yeah well it also and it also relates to the delusion that he has of being on on the TV show at the start yeah. and also how he's a danger Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and that unpredictability, really, that he, you know, he's not, he's not conscious of the effect that he has on others. Um, but to return to the point I, I was making ten minutes ago, before I got sidetracked by myself about <laughs> um, about the racial component, right? So she is a black woman who he who he fantasizes about and kind of lusts for, and and and, but she's not she's not in his life at all. Actually, she's she's um, uh, scared of him. Hmm. At the end, I mean, she she barely knows him, and then because he's in an apartment, she's scared of him. Um, the the kids right at the start who beat him up, steal his sign and beat him up, are black. Yeah, um, I, well, I, um, they're people of color certainly. I don't think they were black, but I, but they were. I mean, what I'm just saying is they were they were definitely like not wasp kids. You know what okay. I mean? I thought they were black. Um, I think they might have been like Latino, but I, oh. I don't want to get too much into sort of identifying exactly what they were. Point is, I I think they weren't white. You know. Okay. So um, people of colour, and um, and that kind of reminds me actually of you know Central Park Five. No, it, it was it. Um, I think it might have been twenty five or thirty years ago. This crime that that these five black kids I think were convicted of, and then it turned out in like two thousand and two they were wrongly convicted. There was no DNA evidence that tied into it, all that sort of stuff. No, no good evidence that tied into this, but they'd been convicted of it and put in prison for a long time. It kind of reminded me of that. And then there was this bit on the subway where he shoots the three guys, which reminded me of... Oh, I wish I could remember the name. There was a guy in the 80s who shot a group of black people on the subway. And I think, and, and again, it really reminded me of that. And, I, and I'm not sure it's accidental, but in this, it's you know they're transformed from, mm. uh, from black kids into uh, kind of yuppie white guys, you know? And it sort of... The effect that it sort of had for me was to sort of like in recapitulating these crimes because these were New York crimes as well, which is why I kind of brought up New York as well. Mm. Like it's it's so New York this film, as opposed to Gotham. Um, 
I, it, it just kind of made me think, what is the project here in bringing these things up and changing them as it does or not changing them? You know, I, I'm having trouble kind of thinking through it, basically. Well, you know, I the way that I read it all, and I did not read it as um, a right-wing film at all, I read it very much as a critique and a, and a quite a daring one, you know, uh, of um, American capitalism at the moment. You know, so the fact that the three guys are white, that they're arrogant, you know, that they're rich, they're obviously like stockbrokers working for Wayne, Wayne himself, right? Because actually, whenever you see the Batman films, you never see, you know, the, the, mm. the Bruce Wayne's father is always a saint. Here he is like, you know, a, a, a capitalist playing the game. Uh, and wanting to become mayor as well. And wanting to become mayor, you know, and kind of somebody rich and uncaring and, you know, and so on. And brutal, you know, kind of, yeah, uh, he beats him up. Um, so, so, you know, I see it as a kind of a critique of a culture that's unraveling and mm. in which kind of people um, have have no way out, basically. You know, the thing about the Central Park Five is they didn't do it. And in this, these kids did it. And the shooting on the subway in real life, the one that I recognise, was racially motivated. And in this, obviously, it's not. There's nothing race. But I just think it. you're pushing the analogy too I far. I don't think I am. I think it's... I, I, I think you are. I mean, the kids... You know, and this is almost like a typical New York scene. You have kids horsing around and they just steal this guy's sign, right? So, you know, how you jump from there to the Central Park murders or Because it's not just him, it's the beating. I, it, because it's the group. It, I, it, it really reminded me of it. It made me think of it very specifically. You're making all these moves in the argument that actually just simply don't work not- if that analogy is not there. Well, but you can draw on it. I mean, if I can pick up on it, then someone making the film could have picked up on Maybe, it as but well. to criticise the film, you know, uh, uh, for... Um, it felt know. deliberate to me. Well, it felt deliberate. I, it I, did not feel accidental. There, you know, once once might have been a coincidence, but, but twice... But, but, you know, you're making all these twists because... So the guys on the subway in this instance... Well, white, you know, kind of stockbrokers. Yeah. So I the mean, question I'm asking is, if the, if it's if there has a relationship to the real life crime, then why the change? Well, I I don't see that. And actually, let me tell you, you know, if you had made those guys, you know, black in the subway, it would the film would have had a completely kind of, you know, that would have been a charged scene. And actually, you know, that that would I think that would have been completely unacceptable. So I don't. I. I mean, I. I just don't get your line of argument at all. Well, that's why I'm, I'm trying sorry. to think through it. You know, I'm trying to think through it. I, I mean, I, he's not killing black people. You know, uh, until the until the very end. So you know, he kills one black social worker. All the other people that he kills, including the most important ones, you know, including his mother. I know, you know, including the Robert De Niro character and blah blah blah. They're all white. I know, so but I that's just, the, but that's the point. I that's, don't I mean, know where the thing the thing about the subway killing is is you know that that difference between the real life killing that I'm okay. comparing it to is that he, is that they're white. As Let's say for the sake of argument that it's not based on anything. That basically what you want to show is arrogant stockbrokers, hooray Henrys, who think they own the world who are harassing this poor woman on the bus and who then beat him up, yeah, and then he shoots them. 
Maybe, you know, what if the scene is about that instead of some kind of wild analogy here that you're making with black? I, just, you know, I, don't, think it's, I don't think it's wild because I think there's enough specificity to the crimes in, in the way that they are depicted. Well, I don't even know what crimes you're talking about. Well, I don't exactly. know who they so, are. Well, you know, uh, so, you know. Well, then it's lost on you. Well, it's but lost. It's, 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 it, but is it there is my question. Well, <laughs> well, you know, I, I felt it was. But like I say, it, obviously it's something that having just seen the film, I'm trying to think through. And it takes more than just a go straight after you know but I think it is in there and it is troubling to me well I don't see it um, I mean there's no black character in the film of which their blackness is a necessity or specified you know kind of Terrell Brian Tyree Henry Brian Tyree Henry was my favourite actor of the moment you know I mean he's the record keeper of the mm. hospital you could have cast that any way you wanted to it didn't need to be black yeah. Right. The 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 love object. You could have cast that any way you wanted. Didn't need to be black. Right. The social worker. Again. You know. Kind of. Didn't need to be black. Uh, you know. In fact, if you wanted to be, you know, historically accurate to the period, you know, maybe. But you know, chances are that they probably would have been white. You know. So so. You know. I think there's kind of, uh, an attempt to kind of. You know be representative of a certain kind of New York whilst always doing the same thing that Hollywood movies do where actually all of the central characters are white. So, you know. But I don't think it's like some right-wing conspiracy thing. I don't think it's a conspiracy. You know, I don't think they're smart enough to make a conspiracy. I don't want to go on about it because, like I say, I have I just seen the film and I don't have anything smarter to say about it at this point. But it's something that really struck me. There was, I think there is a racial component to the film that is worth investigating, worth thinking well, about. Well, perhaps you're right. Um, um, that's the most but, I can say, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Well, you know, kind of... I, I, yeah, anyway, I kind of... Um, I think there is something interesting to say about race in the film. Um, I'm not sure that making the analogies that you have to real historical incidents in New York City is the way to go around it. You know, particularly when what should link them, you know, in an in a important example that you gave, which is race, is not there. The point is that the difference is what drew my attention. That's but, the point. Mm, fair enough. <laughs> but I think we're losing sight yes. of the film itself. Yes, you know, we are. It is like kind of going through a rabbit hole online or something. We're going from one thing to another to another and we're losing kind of sight of, of what we just saw. Which I thought was a very daring, kind of, um, well, very daring. Daring in a Hollywood big studio way. Um, and which I thought kind of very interesting. And which I think is a very, it's a film that will resonate very much with the way that kind of people see the world now. Mm. I think it's right wing comfort food. Well, yeah, perhaps you're right. But you know, I think the the downtrodden lefties are the enemy. I think it's a it's terrifying a, mob. I think it's a revolutionary. They're going to destroy New York City. I think it's a revolutionary film. <laughs> I can't. I can't. So I suppose it's on this question because, in a way, what the film is arguing is that in order to be acknowledged in this culture. You've got to kill rich people. Rich and famous people have to die for you to even, you know, for your existence to be barely recognized. Now, 
is that a right-wing perception or is that a revolutionary way of looking at the world? <laughs> are you asking me? Well, I just think that that is the question. Are we going to leave that one hanging in the air? Yeah, we are going to leave one, that one hanging in the air because, you know, you may be right, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think it's definitely a film. I would like to see it again, you know, because, you know, part of the reason why I think the film is so absorbing and so interesting is, you know, I'm back to smoking again and I've forgotten to take my nicotine, you know, <laughs> patch with me. And actually it absorbed me completely. Like I was, you know, like... Yeah. Yeah, so normally I get twitchy. Very smoky images. That's what the other <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Normally I get twitchy, and this I thought the time flew. Though, as you saw, as soon as the credits went on, I whizzed outside. So um. I, I, That's one thing I would say for it, is that it's a couple of hours long, and the time does fly. Because actually, by the time um, uh, the Joker gets into the theatre that's showing modern times, mm. because he wants to is tracking down Thomas Wayne to confront mm. him um, it, that to me was like is this coming to the end of the film and then I checked and it's like halfway through mm. a lot had happened and so yes. it does feel economical it feels like it's very full yes um, I mean I kind of you know I, I, I was very much absorbed by it um, and unlike you I think it's so interesting visually actually you know I have to I have to think about it more um, but I you know I I, mm. I, I, I was really captivated by it and I do think uh, you know I thought when I saw Pain and Glory I thought oh my god this will be so fab because you know Antonio Banderas is sure to win the Oscar and then I kind of you know you see Joaquin Phoenix in this and he really he is doing such extraordinary things that um, it made me rethink my my Antonio Banderas thing though I do hope Antonio Banderas wins <laughs> for personal reasons <laughs> but actually it's nowhere near as dazzling and theatrical and, you know, elegant uh, 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 as, as... Though actually very interesting, they're, they're both kind of performances seeped in depression and sadness and so on. Though, you know, uh, as soon as, uh, um, you know, the Joker becomes full-fleshed, then that disappears, right? So, so I think the character... His laugh disappears as well. Yeah. It's this thing about his laughing condition. He can't help but laugh. He hands a card to people to explain, I'm not laughing at you. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. just saying that I can't help. Um, but then once he discovers the truth about where he came from, that he's adopted and, mm. and, and, and the abuse by his mother, um, he goes away. Mm. And he kills his mum and he says to her, mm. um, you know, there was never anything wrong with me. You mm. always told me there was. Mm. And it's at that point that that stops. And and he like and that's that where there is a really funny line after when he's wearing the face paint, and his his colleagues come round and they say what's with the face paint? He got a new got a new job, and he says no no my mum died I'm celebrating. You know what's you know, so interesting? It's a weight off his life changes at that point. Yes, um, it suddenly occurs to me, and this is a measure of how great Joaquin Phoenix's performance is, that we haven't even talked about like Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Oh, the Jack Nicholson joke you mean? Yeah, you know, which was is a great performance, right? Um, so, you know, and to and it made you know that Tim Burton Batman film, as far as I'm concerned, this is that wonderful moment of of reveal uh, uh, in the office, um, and it has kind of very similar scenes—the scenes where the Batman's parents get shot, you know, is the way that the film opens and so on and so forth. 
So, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's a measure of how different and interesting and great uh, Joaquin Phoenix's performance is that you're not talking about, you know, Jack Nicholson, you're not talking about Cesar Romero. Obviously, you know, one had to talk a little bit about Heath Ledger because there's ways in, this, in which those performances intersect. I mean, Heath Ledger did something really interesting and original with that character as well. No question. Um, but and anyway. the films, and, and the Joker, the Joker film and the uh, Nolan films do want to share a more kind of down-to-earth um, feeling to their world. Than, Though than the Nolan film, you know, it's in such a sophisticated and interesting kind of visual world. Yeah, Gotham is such a, mm-hmm. you know, such a different place, right? Um, it's, it's, it's a fantasy place as well. Yeah, it's an imaginary place much more kind of clearly than this. It looks completely... Mm. Well, that was shot in Chicago, I think. Okay, but it looks vast and grand and, Mm. you know, this kind of, you know, it's a much smaller scale film. Um, So... so. so, I mean, I think, I don't think the the, um, comparisons to King of Comedy and Taxi Driver are... Um, I mean, I think they're actually quite deliberate. That feeling feeling of that walking around New York in the 1970s. I think think that's quite... That Paul Schrader thing. I think that's quite deliberate. What's this thing, the lone... What's his character called? The lone walker, every calls him... You know. It's that Paul Schrader thing. Do you, you know that thing? Um, like his his particular sort of archetypal character who just walks around alone. Oh, well, <laughs> I can't remember what they call him. Anyway, anyway, that's... I think the analogies to Taxi Driver and to and this, what, the uh, comedy, what's the king, king of, of comedy, comedy, are very deliberate. There's no question about that. And, um, um, but are they more than references? Well, I think it's referencing that those worlds, you know, and yes, you know, a kind of, you know, a kind of an underworld of neon of, you know, kind of people who are not recognized, who have no place in the culture, who are kind of slightly dislocated and who kind of assert a right to be through murder. So that is very much what Taxi Driver is about. Uh, you know, and then the mm-hmm. whole other celebrity dimension, I mean, that's where the king of comedy comes in and... The film does pick up on that, so so you know I think I think those are three strands that the film works through, you know, kind of this thing of um, alienation, mental stability in a cruel, unacknowledging world, a world that doesn't recognize people as as people and doesn't treat them with any dignity. You know, so there's this kind of an anonymity, alienation. You know, so that's one strand. The other strand is about celebrity culture. You know, mm-hmm. celebrity having a currency like being rich. Um, you know, and kind of um, the thing about 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 murder, really. Um, so I think, and race is the other strand. I think you're right. So I think. Uh, those elements all kind of maybe deserve more thought than we're giving them at this moment. There might be a reason to see the film again. I'm not sure I'm keen to see it a second time, but... Um, well, we have to see Judy it, first, so... <laughs> um, ah. You know, the other thing that just occurred to me, um, thinking about race again, was the um, uh, the Fred Astaire film. Yes. Um, because it's quite a specific scene, I feel like, has been chosen. I think it's, it's from a- Follow the Fleet... Um, I don't recognize the film itself. I think it's from Follow the Fleet. Uh, um, and 
it's it's black it, kind of engine workers or sailors or something yeah that are primarily yeah in they the are at sea and you know the song begins being sung by you know a black singer and then kind of and then Fred Astaire joins in Fred and what happens in that scene in the in the, the the film Joker as opposed to the Fred Astaire film is he's watching this and this is at the point where he's just been given the gun by uh, the feather at work mm. and he's sort of playing with it practicing with it whatever posing with it in a way and and the shot is from kind of behind him at three quarters and he's pointing the gun and he's pointing it towards the TV and the focus changes and, you, and he's basically pointing the gun at these black people on the telly and then he moves and he points to somewhere else and then he gets up and he starts dancing mm. like um like, like red. The, well, yeah. Well, I, I wasn't I sure that he was pointing at black people. I thought he was pointing well, at the TV. He was pointing out at the TV, but the shot then that's composed by the film is of him pointing the gun at the black people. Yeah, I didn't, get, I didn't um, get that. I actually I thought. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't register. That. No, I don't. I, yeah, I don't. It's to me the shot is not him like the character going. I will point the gun at black people. It's him pointing the gun. But the shot that the film then actually shows you, mm. you know, what the, the image it creates. Is kind of striking, and and I th- I thought, wow, and um, that's. Mm. that's <laughs> I mean, you know, the whole thing about race is that I don't detect any kind of um, you know overt racism in the film. You know, no, I don't I think it's don't. racist. That's um, certainly not what I'm saying. But um, seems to me there is some sort of strategy of representation going on that I can't figure out. Right. Well, and that is. Where I have to leave it for the minute. Um, yes. I, mean, I think we're exhausting it this time around. I mean, oh, yeah, I yeah, would yeah. be very curious to see it again. I loved it. Uh, you know, and again, I, you know, I was very struck by the performance and really by the visuals and by those choices, right? Like, you know, this is a film that very much rests on faces and does so in kind of, you know, very fascinating ways. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Someone had to. Yes, but I'm sorry, you didn't. Hmm. Someone had to. <laughs> All right, let's leave it here. So we might revisit this depending on what Mike thinks. Uh, but for the time being, we are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on... iTunes, SoundCloud and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Do get in touch. I mean, I'll be really, and do get in touch, yes. I'd be actually. really, really keen to, to hear what people think about Joker because... Me too. You know, I... Um, up in the air on it in all sorts of ways really I don't I don't like it but there's a lot of food for thought in it and um, you know and the fact that response has been so polarised as well yes it rarely has a, a discussion between us been so polarised well I meant I meant response kind of in the rest of the world but you're right like between us it's, yes yeah so I'd be really keen to, to, to hear what uh, others think thank you very much bye bye <laughs> Thank you.